0: All of us do well when we have some things that are predictable. I instinctively wake up and feel excited about life. My biggest solution to mental health is
1: I know I'm I'm my least happy, my least healthy when I'm not
0: physically active. I don't care what the thing is, I just need to do it. For me, competition has always been not just supplemental, it's essential to my mental health. You're not good enough to hold this room if you just speak. Right. Well, <laughs> Yeah. No, that's what you're saying. No. No, no. No, no. no.
1: It is the way most speakers no. would hear it. That's how sensitive, weak people would hear it. You're listening to The Mind Shift Podcast with Aaron McManus and Erwin McManus. It is nice to be here with you in this tropical jungle uh, home away from home that, we're, that we are in right now.
0: It's a good day to be alive. And here we are with the podcast designed to blow your mind.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I like that. I think, I think we've done that twice. I think we're going to stop that one, but we it just started pouring rain and, and I'm looking at kind of a jungle behind you in these big windows and we're, we're on kind of some water and we're, we're away from Los Angeles. We were just in Austin, Texas and we were at an amazing event with, with our good friend Nico and Edwin uh, so congrats to those guys. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about a few things that are coming up for us. Uh, you know, w- one of the things that we have the gift of doing is this podcast. Mm-hmm. But beyond this yeah. podcast, we have an entire business. And you have a new book called Mindshift. Yeah, absolutely. As of October third, which is almost what three or four months now.
0: It's been out for a few months
1: now. Yeah, and I, I feel like the the reviews have been phenomenal. People are really loving the book. People are really enjoying it. It's selling well.
0: Uh, how do you feel about it? Oh, man. Uh, I feel great about it. I'm, I'm so excited about it. the impact it's already having on people's lives. And I'm really grateful by how many people have been getting the word out on the book. I mean, I've had an endless number of people tell me they've read it two, three, four times. Mm-hmm. Some people tell me they picked up an audiobook and then it has so much of an impact they ordered it in. Paper or whatever hardback, yeah. so that they could take notes and underline. Uh, and I've had companies call me and tell me they've bought it for everybody in their executive team, yeah. and then their executive teams have bought it for everybody in their company. So it's it's really exciting just to just to see the impact of these simple but not simplistic principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I say they're simple because once you see them, they make so much sense. Mm-hmm. But they're not simplistic. Yeah, they're not cliches. They're they're. Um, They're just these really subtle mental shifts that when you make them, it changes your life. And for me, that's an incredible uh, gift to be able to bring to people.
1: I love that. So if you're new to this podcast or if you're just listening, go pick up the book Mind Shift on Amazon, Barnes & Noble's, everywhere the books are sold. And every airport
0: where you fly through.
1: That's really amazing. Your books are in airports for the first time. Yeah, I'm
0: so excited just to be in all these different airports. I've been traveling like crazy. And now people are sending me photographs of their airports. Yes. Where the book is, which That's is so awesome.
1: If you see Mindshift in the airport, send us a photo, DM it to us on Instagram, um, or send us one of our personals. Uh, but the easiest way is to follow us on Mindshift Pod. Okay, so we want to go- run through a few things because, you know, people talk about self promotion and sales. But when we go to these conferences and events, we realize that we are not salesmen. In fact,
0: we realize that we're really bad salesmen.
1: <laughs> so I want to be the greatest worst salesman that there is. But essentially, you are listening to a podcast that is essentially financed by the projects that we do on the side. Um, Our primary business is a community called The Arena, which has multiple layers of uh, built out to it. But essentially, it's a learning community and a conference Mm -hmm. that we have now combined and brought together and we have a few hundred people that are part of the arena. We do a weekly call uh, Tuesday mornings and we do a couple other bonus calls throughout the month. And now we're starting a new thing where we're doing a live monthly summit. So each month we will have a monthly summit live with you and me and one other person as a guest host that we introduce his book, we introduce his content, he talks about the subject that he is has you know gained mastery over and some of the guests are actually phenomenal so i'm going to pull that up but while i'm doing it can you talk a little bit about the arena and the community
0: yeah i think really the best way of describing the different layers of things we do is that we're a personal development company and that we focus on moving people to optimal performance and so there's a sense where everyone needs this because everyone needs to improve but there's also a sense that um there's some people to really purposely targeted for because it's the people who know they need to improve and want to improve. Because one of the things that you just realize over a lifetime is that you cannot give people determination, but you can give people opportunity. And when a person has opportunity, I think the greatest gift you can give them is, um, I did that backwards. When a person has determination, the greatest gift you can give them is opportunity. And I think the arena is a place where people who already have determination come to access opportunity, an opportunity to grow, grow as communicators, grow as leaders, grow as human beings, and also just expand the inner universe of who they are. Because if you have big dreams, you have to have the internal universe to carry the weight of those dreams. And uh, you, you know, if you, if you want to become better at what you do, you have to have better skills. I yep. think that's the yeah. summary
1: of it, right? Is yeah. to be a great communicator, you need to surround yourself with great communicators, with great leaders. So here's the lineup for the next okay. few months. So end of January, we have Ed O, who's the CEO of Kiersey. If you're familiar with the Myers Ed o. Briggs, Kim. Ed o. Kim. Sorry, I call him Ed O because that's what it is on my phone, but Ed o. Kim, he was the, the CEO of Kiersey. If you're familiar with the Myers Briggs or the Strength Finders or the Berkman, these are personal their personality uh, assessments that we use as a part of our business. Yeah. But he is going to be giving tests out uh, to, so if you sign up for this event, you'll get a Kiersey test. You'll take the personality test, and he's going to break down the four different personality types that are unique to Kiersey, which I think is really exciting. We just took the Mosaic team through it, and he came in and talked to the team, and that was amazing. And, you know,
0: caused tons of good drama. <laughs> yeah, basically is four different temperaments with 16 different prototypes where you can begin to identify who you are and how you engage the world around you and also develop a strategy to work with people who are the same and different than you
1: yeah so that's really exciting january 31st is this event and it's going to be online zoom so we're going to uh basically tag a link into the bio of this podcast where you can sign up for the event if you're not part of the arena but here's the best part about the arena this is the the soft sell if you join the arena you get free access to our conference which is october 10th 11th and 12th where you're listening to some of the top speakers in the world brandon Bouchard, you have chris doe you have earl mcmanus you have edo kim and all of these guys have kind of agreed to like pour into the community even deeper beyond the conference which is phenomenal and so we're doing these like monthly summits in january we have edo February we have Todd Herman. March we have Ali Webb, founder of Drybar. April we have John Gordon. May we have Dan Bolton. June we have Phil Jones. These are just the confirmed people. So beyond that, I imagine we'll do more things. But you get all of these summits for free if you join the Arena. So the Arena it's around forty two hundred dollars for the year, but you get so much value for it. So if you haven't joined, if you thought about joining, and you're you know maybe you're in that place where you're on the line, join the Arena. The link will be in the bio of this podcast. Do not hesitate. And that's how we pay for all the things that we get to
0: do. This podcast is free because we believe it should be, and it's funded by the arena. And also everything we provide, especially everything I provide through Mosaic, all my teaching, all the Invest People's Lives, all that's for free for people around the world. Yeah. And the arena is for people who know that they need to elevate their level of personal development and growth. And it could be because of where they work, it could be because they own a company, it could be because they have you know, aspirations for a different life. I mean, who's the youngest guy in the arena? Caleb. Caleb, how old is Caleb? I mean, Caleb joined the Art of Communication,
1: the first product we released during, in 2021. And I think he was 17 at the time. Wow. Now, hes I believe he's not, he just turned 19, had his birthday in the arena, came to the conference. Like, this kid is just so sharp. And then we have guys as old as like in their 60s. I think Mark, might
0: be in his late sixties. Yeah, so we've got some amazing, 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 amazing yeah. people. So it's amazing for seventeen to seventy-one. That's the whole spectrum, and it really is about having a posture of learning and growing and development. And well, let's I, jump into yeah. this thing. And I'm just say, I know for myself. So much of my life, I really wanted access to people who could help me elevate in so many different areas and and the only way I could do that was through reading. So books were the way you accessed the best thinkers, the best leaders, the best communicators in the world. And now, you know, because of the emergence of technology, you can actually go to the best training environments of the world through environments like the arena which is for me pretty amazing
1: it's really interesting then because I think growing up if especially like being so interested in film and and the behind the scenes none of this masterclass educational content existed you had to no. go to four-year four-year university so having communities like this where essentially we do calls and then we do 30 minutes of a call, 30 minutes of a QA, and they're creating more rooms for Q&As. Like, it's just such an incredible space where we're building relationships with people in real time. And I think for us, like, I we were watching the Bills game last night. We're in Mexico, and we're huddled around this little TV behind us. Well, I guess Austin moved it. Uh, and we were watching, was it the Bills versus the, the Ravens? Chiefs. or The Chiefs. <sighs> I'm heartbroken. But I'm, I'm watching the Bills. We love Josh Allen, and we're watching them lose. And I'm thinking, oh, Joe Vacante from Buffalo is going to be so upset right now. <laughs> Shout out Joe. And him and his wife are a part of the arena. And I think it's just like a really cool way to like connect with people and go deeper
0: and actually gain access to really great conversations. So the next live arena event will have to be about trauma. <laughs> <laughs> why? why? Because he watched his I bills know, lose again, I know. I know. And I know. He's dealing with the kind of trauma that people do not recover from. We'll, we'll have the
1: call. We'll have the call <laughs> tomorrow. Um, but by the time people are listening to this, um, we will have consoled Joe personally. Okay, so let's jump into this pod. All right. So we're just in Austin, and we. Before that, we were in LA, and before that, we were in Vegas, and so we've been moving around a lot. At the beginning of January, and one thing that I really have had a hard time with is. How do I have a routine while we're traveling so much? and i'm I'm fortunate enough um, to invest in therapy. So I have this amazing therapist, and she's great. And she whips me into shape, and she's very vocal. and I like that she actually gives a lot of feedback. Um, she says that her style is genuinely unique in that, I think it's a little bit more like Stutz, that documentary Stutz with Jonah Jonah Hill and his therapist. But I was asking him, like, routine is really throwing me off. I keep getting sick. I keep, we're traveling so much. I kind of have all these pressures and anxieties and stresses while all the while, like building a business. And I feel like when I'm on the road, I'm kind of just the wingman, but I'm not able to like achieve the things I need to get to achieve. So there's massive benefit. I love being on the road with you. I love traveling. We get to meet all these amazing people all over the world. But I'm mad that I get too skinny because I'm not able to work out. I'm not. I'm not able to eat the way I want to eat. I'm being so uh, non-adaptable. And she she stopped me and was like, "Dude, you need to give yourself some some forgive yourself a little bit. Give yourself some grace." But we also let's and she gave me kind of a conversation around, gave me a talking to about rituals versus routines. So that's something that we were talking about today. She's like, "You need to throw out." this idea that you have to have a routine. So what's the difference? She's like, I want to, well, I'm going to talk to you about that as something I'm still trying to wrap my mind around. She's like, I want you to have rituals. So your routine is I need to be here at eight, be here at eight fifteen, do this at eight thirty, do this at eight forty five every morning, every day. She's like, that's just never going to happen. So you're going to always be disappointed and depressed and anxious because you're feeling like you're not achieving the thing you want to achieve for yourself. She's like, why don't you set up morning ritual? something that gets your body and your mind ready to go and you can take that with you on the road wherever you are in the world and she gave me like a couple prompts like some questions i think it's like five minute journal type stuff some questions that i could write down in a journal she's like give yourself five minutes where you sit up you you ground yourself on the floor you jump on a journal or in your phone she's like i don't really care how you do it but just do it in a way where you give yourself five minutes to reset and get ready for the day and create this ritual and then go on with your day. And it wasn't hyper spiritual. It wasn't anything too crazy, but it was this kind of, what are you grateful for? What are things you're looking forward to? What are some problems you're foreseeing and how do you achieve them? Mm-hmm. And it kind of flashed forward. We were in Austin and you did this event for Nico at his internal uh, uh, the collective team and they're a sales team doing, I think, alarms and for solar. skyline. Yeah. Yeah. For Skyline who's uh, Edwin Aurigave's company, yeah, company. Yeah. and Nico's one of his top guys in Austin and so we got to go spend time with those guys but you kind of talked about something that was really interesting so I wanted to break that down on the podcast because I think this is actually going to be really helpful for people so what does
0: ritual what is a life of like ritual versus routine look like for you well that's, that's an interesting frame I don't think I'm a person who is desperate for a routine okay so uh, so my struggles would probably be maybe so you're calling me you desperate no, I know. You got me
1: thirsty. <laughs> okay.
0: Some people. You
1: like Mariah more. Some people are more <laughs> structured for. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped. He stopped. You, Mariah is your favorite child. You're just telling me this now on air. <laughs> you haven't known that for years.
0: <laughs> My whole childhood. My whole life is in question. Ironically, both you and Mariah are very structured. Yes. Both of you are. Yes. Maybe it's a reaction to my lack of structure. We had, we had to raise ourselves. <laughs> you were raised by wolves. <laughs> and oh,
1: both, man. both of you have
0: a, a love and a psychological uh, need for structure. And, uh, and I'm sure some of that is a psychological response to um, my massive fluidity adaptability and spontaneity where you're just trying to figure out what things can you predict in life. And I think all of us do well when we have some things that are predictable and that give us some sense of control over life. And of course, that's the, that's the pendulum is that, um, we try to control things that are out of our control. We try to feel some sense of control of life. And if everything is out of control or at least feels out of control, that's when we begin to spiral as as people. And I think a huge part of it for me is I have a pretty strong mastery of my internal world. And my internal world is almost completely disconnected from my external world. And there's some things that seep in. I have Achilles heels, you know, where uh, you, Mariah, and your mom are, are my Uh, are my loopholes in that space. If you're sad, or if Mariah's sad, or your mom's sad, it has an effect on me. Yeah, you're always being affected, because at any given (laughs) point, one of us is... (laughs) one of three of you is always (laughs) sad. One of us is, you know, going through something. But overall, you know, I I, I face crises and challenges, and sometimes I feel the the stress of some of those things. I mean, last night, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I felt the stress of, of Mosaic you know, the community faith that I lead, because I know that um, we have to have significant growth this year, you know, we'll probably have like a million dollar differential. And then the, the implications that become, if that doesn't happen, there are people who are gonna lose their jobs there, you know, and, and all that falls on me. Right. And, and so I feel the weight of that, and I do feel the stress of that. So I'm not saying I'm not affected by outside factors, but I can say that my rituals are very internal. And I don't find peace by trying to control the world outside and I realize there are things I can do to try to solve the problem. In fact, quite a few things. And but it's out of my control in the end. And so I, I think I have a very fast mechanism where I begin I let go of things that are out of my control very quickly. And I like I let go of them psychologically. Emotionally and spiritually that I just go, you know, hey God, I I'm gonna do what I feel you, you, you've you called me to do And what's my responsibility and I'm just gonna trust you with all the things that I have no control over I think most people spend their lives trying to control things that are out of their control and that's why um, They feel frustrated with life. I don't know if I have routines, but I think I do you know, I I usually go get coffee either with your mom or you, or, you know, every day, um, you know? So I have like coffee routines, but I like varying that up, I like going to different places, you know? And so I don't think there's anything I do exactly the same every day. So I'm a terrible person as an example of going, you know- So you'd be more of a rituals person. Yeah, you know, I mean, I do have rituals. I, I think probably my best case scenario for rituals are, I instinctively wake up and feel excited about life. I think one of my rituals, ironically, is to create a sense of expectation for the day. And I think that, that perspective shapes everything I do. I wake up believing something really beautiful is gonna happen it, it, you know, with a sense of expectation, anticipation that I'm gonna take on a challenge. And so I'm not really looking at how to avoid the challenges or how to avoid you, you, you know, the the difficulties. I wake up going, there's something huge I'm going to solve today. There's something big I'm going to take on. And then I immediately start processing in my mind, where where are the places where I can make a difference? So I, I guess I'm the opposite. You know, I should probably, like, stand on the ground and center myself and, and take a few minutes to take a deep breath. In my ideal life, um, I walk and I'm by myself. And if I can have... 30 minutes just by myself, I feel like the world is a thousand times better. So there are definitely things that when I get to do them, I'm better and I'm more effective. And and for me, silence and walking are interconnected. I'm not a person where I can just sit in a chair and be quiet for 30 minutes or, you know, lay on a mat and be quiet for 30 minutes. I am a person that for whatever, you know, function or dysfunction, I need movement. I always felt like I'm more like a shark, you know, they're even moving, you know, all the time. And um, when I'm moving, it's when I meditate the best. When I'm moving is when I'm dreaming the most. When I'm moving is actually when I begin solving problems and expanding um, the world inside of me. And so I know that if I can actually just get a 15-minute alone kind of walk, even if I'm just walking get coffee and come back, everything changes for me in that moment. And and then I just add some things to the physiology of it, where I don't put sunglasses on it, don't wear a hat, I make sure I get the sunlight, you know, because you know I want to get my circadian rhythms in place, and I want to try to go to war against the potential of feeling depressed or having negative emotions, and I know that that I'm physically connected to those things. In my ideal life, um, working out for me is really important. You know, here we are, you know, in Mexico. And we all just said, hey, we'll just chill this morning, everything like that. We'll meet for a late breakfast at nine 30. I woke up at 5. I tried to go back to sleep, but I couldn't. So I took off to the gym, spent an hour in the gym by myself. And it's such a reprieve. That's a ritual for me. And when I don't get to do that, I start spiraling badly. Like I didn't get to work out for really two months because of the surgery I had. And I ate bad. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad. And um, I looked bad. I mean, everything for me starts spiraling. And because some of my rituals were gone. Yeah. And and so those are some of the things that, you know, strike me. I think you have much better. Like, I admire your routines. I think you're a person who has been so disciplined, even like the way you read the Bible, the way you pray, the way, you know, I know it goes up and down or how that, but you are a person who really established when you're at your optimal level. I'm very structured. Yeah, and I always admire it, and I always try to emulate it in some ways, too, because they go, dang it, he's, he's light years ahead of me in this. Like, he's just way better at this. And we have some guys coming here at this event that we're doing. Yes, so hold on, let's talk oh, about but, that. But okay. I want to do it backwards. Okay. You don't know this, but I actually, like, they've talked to me, hey, I want to grow in my faith. And I tell them, you need to meet with Aaron. Aaron is way better at me at helping a person with all the early steps of faith.
1: Yeah, it's interesting.
0: You're just better than me at it.
1: But then when they're ready to take the red pill or the blue pill, that's when I'm the person who gives them the red pill, or the blue
0: pill, and then when they take it, they go to you. <laughs> they get to you. I, I think you're the person who knows how to help see being a shepherd taking care of sheep and then killing the bear and then killing the lion will get them where they need to go. And then you convince them, deliver the cheese to the front lines, because it's your act of service. It's a part of your character development. referring to the Bible right now. I am. story in David. And I'm the guy that basically says, hey, there's Goliath, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, figure it out. <laughs> oh, no, you okay. might want to use those rocks.
1: <laughs> yeah. A lot of my yeah, internal structures are are healthier. My life is healthier when my internal structures are consistent. And I, I'm very, I tell you this, I'm like, I, I need to stay somewhere where there's a gym. I need to stay somewhere where I can run because if I... At least my default is i can go to the gym and run mm-hmm. you know and then i need a place where i can grab a, a smoothie or grab just like big, very basic food because i know that the way i can't eat a certain way or i start feeling really terrible and i know that it sounds crazy but i just know the things that i like i tune my body to a specific like cycle and if i don't have that then i start to i lose a lot of weight or i'll i i do not really gain weight i lose weight which which is the it, you know that's a great problem to have for most yeah. people except for when you know Yeah, I I look like I'm a marathon runner when I'm
0: not. Um, But but you live your life like you're an elite athlete rather than just a guy trying to be healthy. In my best seasons, yes. And that's, to me, a key. Yeah,
1: like a lot of people have different opinions on mental health and I think, for for me, it's like my biggest answer for mental health or solution to mental health is, I know I'm, I'm my least happy, my least healthy, When I'm not physically active, you really like basketball. I don't care what the thing is, I just need to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be Pilates or running or boxing. I'll just jump into work. It doesn't matter. But having that once or twice a day is is a place where, and I like wanna treat my body like I'm gonna be playing a sport, but I'm
0: not. You know what I mean? And, And ironically, like as you move through different phases in your life, you know, I'm 65 now, but for me, competition has always been not just supplemental. It's essential to my mental health. It's interesting that, because I wonder
1: if there's a difference because you're a very competitive person, so you need to exercise the competitiveness about you.
0: It it gets all the stress out for me.
1: Yeah, I don't compete like that. Like, I don't care about beating people close to me. I have weird other competitors that I'm competitive, like silently competitive against.
0: Yeah, but I don't feel like I'm competitive against all of you. What I'm competitive against is blocking out all the problems and all the stress. In life. In life. So in that moment, I'm just focused. And it comes out as if I just want to destroy everyone but, in but front to be of me. Really honest, do you find a little bit of joy out of beating us? I don't know any other experience. In oh life. my goodness. Oh
1: my goodness. I will say, you you are you were like a you're yeah, you're and we're getting away from the time, but this is part of the, the beauty of this podcast. Okay. you are like an elite competitor i've never i've watched you i mean always growing up even in you know into your 60s you would just win you win
0: you figure out ways to win but i was gonna say this is the connection to ritual okay when you're just trying to not be fat the half life of that is you're kind of fat when you're just trying to be healthy the half life of that is you're kind of unhealthy yeah when you're Trying to be an elite athlete, the half life of that is you're going to be a healthy person. Yeah, yeah. And and I think a lot of times we don't realize like unless you are actually training for you know the Tour de France, you're going to get the half life of whatever your ambition is. Yeah. And and so there's a sense where um, I feel like I have to have as my goal to become an elite athlete even at 65, so that my half life is. I'm healthy. You know, I think a lot of the the health stuff
1: mm-hmm. and, and with rituals, it's like I have like a two week lead up when I know I'm not in shape to being able to get in shape. And what I mean by that is is like an in shape mentality. Yeah, because it takes like for me, it takes a ramp up of suffering. Mm-hmm. Like I have to know <laughs> I have to like mentally prepare for the suffering. Like I can't just wake up and be like today I'm going to suffer. I'm like I have to like get into that like that Whatever that is, that alter ego, whatever that, that, that space is, that arena, but I, I have to go, okay, for two weeks I have to eat healthy, I have to be on my protein shakes, I got to be on my, even before runs, like, I re, before, I think walking is healthier than running. I'll go on a two-mile walk for an hour, answer all my phone calls, I'll drive, you know this, every morning I have my rituals, I drive to a really bougie coffee shop that I love, Beverly Hills, And then I grab my coffee and then I I drive up the street three blocks. I park in the richest neighborhood in LA and I go on a long walk. One, because this can be my future neighborhood. And two, because I want to get to know my neighbors. But two, it puts me in a space where I'm like, I'm around beautiful things, Mm -hmm. around a beautiful like trees and there's not a lot of traffic and I, I can be focused and I can also answer whatever phone calls I have. I can get my work done. And if I get, I know that like the moment you get to an office, you kind of get stuck. You know what I mean? Like, wh- whenever we get to a place, then it's people, 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 meetings, meetings. If I get to a place from, like, there's an ecosystem or an environment of health and I get stuck there, it's a much better place to be stuck, yeah. right? So I know I can I can have my walk and get my emails done, get my phone calls in, and then be be ready to go. But but more than that, we wanted to talk about uh, New Year's resolutions, and then you made a joke at breakfast. You're like, you mean New Year's delusions? <laughs> so I want you to kind of break that down for us. Why is having... New Year's
0: resolutions a little bit ridiculous to you? I'm gonna do something that frustrates you. I'm I'm gonna be digressive, but I'm gonna get there. Well, let me ask the question better then. Okay, no, it's a great question. Well, let me start over. Okay. Do you have
1: New Year's resolutions?
0: No. Can you tell me why? (laughs) I don't have New Year's resolutions because I find that resolutions that have outcome goals are usually meaningless, but resolutions that have intention are usually more meaningful. Okay, and so I, I, re- I replace goals with intentions. Okay. It, it, maybe a basic difference would be I used to say things like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And, you know, even if I lost them, I'd gain them back because I didn't make the intention, um, the focus. The goal, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Anyone can lose 20 pounds in an unhealthy way. And they can actually lose 20 pounds, never changing their mental structures and their lifestyle but if my intention is i'm going to every single day walk 5 miles my intention is i'm going to start eating healthy i'm going to cut down on carbs like you can actually have intentions and go and whatever the outcome of that is i'm going to live with that you know my intention is at least 3 days a week i'm going to i'm going to make sure there's movement in my life you know, um, whether it's the gym, or playing padel, or pickleball, or I'm going to find some way to create activity in my life. And But you almost have to, like, then pull it back another level and go, oh, I have to have a relationship intention. Because I only do things with people I enjoy. If everyone in my life doesn't have a commitment to physical health, I won't either. So you have to keep peeling that back. Because if you go, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, but you still have the same friends, and they don't have a common commitment. You're not going to get there if you're gonna you know i'm gonna lose 20 pounds but your gym membership is you know eight miles away in a direction you never go to you're not going to actually get there and and so some of it for me is i try to look at intentions like what are the things that i who do i want to become and trust Becoming that is going to create the outcomes I actually want on the other side, too. And there's a word that I wanted to add to. You said you need your suffering. Was that the word you used? Yeah, yeah I, need, I need my suffering. And and I think that there's a wonderful like, shadow phrase to that. What you actually need is you need your struggle. Yeah. I was just looking at something from, uh, I think it was Gonzaga University. And Austin, they had this great Japanese basketball player. And um, I cannot pronounce his name. But... Well, can I talk about why I think the struggle is really important? Yeah. Like the yeah, lead up to, to the suffering? Yeah,
1: of course. Well, our, we were hanging out with our friends, Paulo and Todd. Yeah. And in, I, we were at the time, I think we are in Copenhagen, but I think this conversation we had in LA. Mm-hmm. These are two of, well, these are two, now they're two of my friends, but they're two of yeah. your friends who we've kind of created now this, they're like, our friends they're our friends so there's the <laughs> yeah, yeah. dinner club that we will you know will fly yeah. around the world and have these dinners which is just a great gift in life to be able to one for me to be able to be a part of that and to have to know you know a great gift to me is that knowing my dad has great friends another gift is is to now just go you know they adopted me into, into their <laughs> world and um and 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 they, they went on a trip i think last year to kilimanjaro where they they hiked kilimanjaro and I think they were talking about how the to get up it, it took a, a week, a process of a week. But to get down it, it took like half a day. Yeah. It, because they said that they had to like acclimate at different altitudes. And so at different levels of strength, there's different levels of suffering. And so you can easily lose it all in a week, right? We talk about, we were talking about this with Nico, like he tore his Achilles and he's gonna come meet us down in the jungle where we're at. <laughs> but he had this full circle moment where he, when he was really depressed in his worst place in his life, he had torn his Achilles and then, you know, the recovery is three to six months and then nine months to really be an athlete or a year. Yeah. Um, and he really struggled. He was a physical therapist. No, he was a fitness trainer. Mm-hmm. So then tearing his Achilles, he lost a lot of his daily structure. Yeah. And then now he's in a completely different mental space and healthy space and, you know, he's, he's in a spiritual journey. And so Tyrion's Achilles is almost non-affecting everything else that he's dealing with. He's like, man, I'm in a different mindset. Like, this is just a little bit of a acclimation, I'll be fine. And I was like, oh, that that climbing that mountain is very, I think, symbolic and metaphorical to like what I deal with when it comes to suffering, because it's like, okay, I know that I need to have this place where I take myself to a certain altitude and acclimate here and then get ready for the next climb.
0: What were you gonna say yeah. about consolidation? So so then as I was looking at the study. It added another word to me, because I think of like sacrifices, a word we've used quite often. Suffering is a word we use quite often. Uh, But we don't always talk about the struggle and and its importance. And there is a study where uh, they're asking the question, why do Japanese children excel in math more than American children? I think it was an eighth grade class that they observed through cameras. And what they found is that uh, the American students when we're, they were given math problems, spent 2% of their time, 2% struggling with the problem. The Japanese children spent 40% of their time struggling with the problem. they allotted a lot of time given to solve the problem, is that what we, it is, or? The learning was in the struggle. Ah, interesting. And sometimes the Japanese teachers would give them the wrong answers so that they had to struggle longer oh, wow. with the problem. And so I think a lot of times because um, us, you know, who are shaped by uh, American Western culture, we think solutions, finding the solution fast is the key to genius. Finding solutions fast is the key to to excellence. But in the Japanese culture, no, it's sitting in the struggle that actually elevates you and pulls out your your greatness. And so I think some of it is that we don't even realize sometimes we give up because the struggle is more than we expected. And we think, oh, I'm struggling with this. I cannot, I, I must not be good at this. I mean, you think even early on when you were, you know, getting on the platforms and speaking, and you really struggled in your own mind. Like, you know, I'm not good at this. I don't know if I have a talent for this. And, and I'm sure I had
1: very good self-awareness.
0: What? Because <laughs> I was not very good at it. You no, know, but the <laughs> difference is that you were being compared to me yeah, and other people who were worse than you were not being compared to me. Yeah, that's always really
1: interesting to me because I think in the the the, the spiritual space, it can be a very it's a very toxic acceptance culture or non acceptance culture, yeah. culture, culture of non acceptance. But I, I want to bring it to the to Nico's event, the collective event. You you made this comment because you were the in the afternoon, you were the last speaker yeah. of the day. And you had two speakers before you had edwin you had damon who wrote a book with john gordon called the coffee bean and he was talking about that and he he was uh, a a math addict to or a coke addict who ended up you know robbing houses and get, going to jail for a long time prison for a long time and in dallas and he's open about that story it's his story uh, and then edwin has a really unique history where he talks about you know the moment i got my personal life right everything else flourished and you went up there and said like you did something really magical. I thought it was really special. You're like, you don't want their lives. <laughs>
0: like no one wants to end up in prison, like Damon. I said, can we be honest? All these speakers today, nobody here wants their life. Yes. You, know, you want the outcome. <laughs> said, of their you life. want the outcome of their yeah. life. You know, you don't, you don't want to go to prison, like Damon. Right? But you might want to write a best-selling book, like The Coffee Bean. You know, you don't. You, and I, I said, hey, you know, you you don't really want like. Andy's past or Nico's story, but you want their outcome and with Edwin, you definitely don't want his life But you would love to own skyline. Yes (laughs) And I think the reality is most of us when we listen to people's stories we think oh, I want that We don't really mean that we want that outcome. We don't want that struggle and there it is See they all went through a very significant process of struggling. It's in the struggling that there is the learning and and I, I think sometimes social media actually makes the struggle less appealing, be, for a couple of reasons. One, I learned how to speak, and there's no record of it. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah, there are no videos of me speaking, no no tapes of me speaking. There's no evidence of how bad or good I was. So I was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. I was able to develop skills. In the struggle. And a lot of it is like this little country church outside of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, yeah. that let me speak and teach and lead. And I'm pretty sure I was trash. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And but I was allowed to be bad long enough to where I got good. And now we're in an environment where, and that's why I think so many of the speakers that are young on, uh, on social media, they're actually performers. The, because they take on a performance style because they have to be good so fast, so they never find their authentic voice and I because Finding your authentic voice takes struggle Finding a the voice of a performer really just takes style and early on you were really good when you were imitating styles hmm. And it was just me fighting with you because I, I I was watching you fast track to becoming a really good speaker. And I didn't want you just to have style. Oh, I was so brutal back then
1: too. Like people wonder, I mean, people don't wonder. I am not I'm not the obvious choice when it comes to public speaking, but you really put me through a grinder for a few years. And I, it was I was self-inflicted, I wanted it, but I think you had me host five services a Sunday for years. And, you know, there was one aspect of it where it's like the giving or the announcements or the closing. You had me do different parts and you obviously we, I, we shared with other people. But every every time I'd be like, I hate this. I'm terrible at it. you be like, OK, well, we'll go watch the video and go figure it out. And you created an obsessive compulsive uh, nature. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we, we, we use OCD as, as as like a negative terminology. But I actually really do think that it, it, it obsessive compulsive order it's like the, it, you you need the first two to equal the third right <laughs> you have to there has to be a, a certain nature a certain thing about you to become obsessed with something right you have to really become obsessed with something to be good at something and me and nico were talking about that after the event he's like man how did erwin go up to the event and he knew it he's like he knew that event had run long and that's an understatement and you're this, being very kind yes <laughs> well that's my boy so i'm gonna i'm gonna be kind but um yeah, but it, but it ran long and actually me and Austin were talking, me, you and Austin were talking about this at breakfast. We're going to do a like some kind of masterclass education thing that we put on the arena on like how to run an event.
0: How to create a great experience. How to
1: create a good experience. But also like, you know, because I, I think I, we did the arena conference in six weeks. We prepped it and it had been years since I had done, uh, you know, a, a church service. I haven't been, been on stage in years, like three years. I haven't done any of that. There was so much I learned through the playback. There's so much I learned in the moment and so much like so much. I'm so excited. The day was over. I was like, thank God it's over. I can't wait for next year because we just learned so many things. And I really want to help people learn what we learned in the process. But one thing with Nico, you uh, you went up and and Nico was telling this at dinner. He goes, I don't know how he went up and just completely changed the room.
0: Like, how do I do what he he does? Well, let's describe the room because yeah. they began at i don't know nine in the morning yeah and it's been at 10 in the morning yeah and they went on and then they kept speaker after speaker after speaker after speaker lunch was to be at one we got uh we left for a minute came back and at three fifteen, lunch still had not happened so people were speaking all the way through the one minute testimonials became 30 minute I think testimonials. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I
1: was like, wait, yeah. what happened? Because we and you went to go get changed. And he said, you know, he said, yeah. he said, we had one minute testimonials and we're doing these ce- celebrations for the accomplishments of guys and women and women on our team. It's internal conference. Yeah. That's and awesome. uh, they said the one minute's turned into like 10 minutes a person. So it went from, you know, an hour long to two ha- and a half hour long
0: process. Yeah. And so then I'm supposed to speak at four. At almost six thirty, that's when he got up, yeah. After the conference was supposed to be over, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was my turn, and I'm going up there before I speak. And say, "Hey, you can you can cut me, like I don't have any ego need. I don't need to speak." And he was like, "These people have been waiting all day to hear you speak. If you don't speak, it won't be good." <laughs> and um, and it was not an ideal scenario to speak in. You know, right, because people are exhausted, people are f- n- well now people are full, so they're t- so now they're more tired because yeah. when you feed people, they be you know, you and start then they say, had two hour-long talks right before me. Right. And you text sent me a text, make him do something. <laughs> yeah, I think I got scrolled <laughs> by you, his text. You can pull up the text. This is what's it's always I, great to have a team member yeah. who's <laughs> like, who's got your back and can tell you the truth. I said, <laughs> people are
1: crashing, don't stick to the script, shake them up. And you said, said, yes, they are, but like what? <laughs> I said, give them something to do. Yeah. I don't know, on their phone, write something down, talk to each other,
0: anything. All right, now, so you, if you're listening to this podcast, you need to hear that's translate that into, you're not good enough to hold this room <laughs> if you just speak. Right, well, yeah. No, that's what you're saying. No,
1: without, well, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> no. It is
0: the way most no. speakers would hear it. No. That's how sensitive, weak people would hear it. Right. But and you were not that. No. And I didn't hear it like that. But I did laugh going, <laughs> what he is saying is, Dad, if you get up there and just do the talk, it's <laughs> it, it, going it to go gonna bad. Work. Yeah. No, because you see, it great communication isn't one-sided. It cannot just be about the quality of the speaker. It has to be about the quality of the listener. Yes. And if the listener is no longer capable of hearing, no matter what you do, it's going to go bad. Yes. And, and yeah, they were biting at the bit, you know, to to exit the room. And some of them did exit the room. You know, some had to leave, you know, and some of them just psychologically needed to leave the room. They didn't have anything left to, that they could receive. And, and so, you are know, just taking your note, I thought, okay, what do I do? And I thought through my talk. I thought through the, the, um, the concepts, I was going to work them through, and I thought, okay, I'm going to begin this with action items and let them talk to each other. And, and so I, I asked them three questions. The first one was, I want you to write down your greatest present fear. No, I know them. I want you to write down your, your greatest present fear, the thing you're afraid of the most right now. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to write down your greatest pain point right now? And, and I've kind of walk through a little bit of what that could be, you, you know, because your pain point could be relational, could be emotional, could be spiritual, could be economic. you know, What is bringing you the most pain right now in your life? And the third thing I want you to write down is uh, what fear in your future are you, I mean, what failure? You said the number one fear,
1: the number one failure you're trying to avoid.
0: Yeah, the number one failure you're trying to avoid right now there's a failure in your future that you're trying to avoid yeah. <laughs> and i said yes for one moment i want you to have a negative projection into the future yes what is that failure that you see looming in your future that you're trying to to avoid i said and then i had him write down for a minute and i said now i want you to talk get in groups and share those with each other for the next few minutes
1: and let me tell you what happened the entire room changed i think there was like a collective exhale of just, okay, now we get to talk. Now we get to engage. Now we get to relax. And people immediately, you know, because when people are tired, people are less willing to comply. Yeah, you know, and and they were they, it's hard to sit and listen all day. I tell you this all the time. Yeah, it's brutal. We did a staff retreat for Mosaic, and you invited me to come, and I was having like anxiety the, the three days before coming because I was like, I am not built to sit and listen. I am not a great. I'm great at listening one on one. I'm not a great group listener. I am like scrolling. I am taking notes. I need lots of snacks. I'm just. I'm a compulsive. Per- I need to move. I need to groove. I need to do my thing. You know, uh, but the room came alive. And it was like you just knew exactly what to do. And then I want to go through detail a little bit because you didn't stand on the stage. You stood on the ground among like the tables and you just interacted and engaged. And even just in that subtle shift of you not standing on the stage but standing in the room, maybe five feet in front of the stage, you, it, it just completely changed the way the room looked at you and saw you and received from you. And you you just did a lot of the little things that I felt like speakers miss, right? Speakers speak at people. You're paying me to speak, I'm gonna speak at someone. But you really, and I think that's the difference between speaking and being a speaker than being a communicator and communicating. Mm-hmm. You listened, you gauged the room, you took the temperature of the room, and then you responded by engaging them. These are sales guys, these are little monsters and killers in the sales space. Yeah. Guys who do really well selling alarms and solars and building their businesses. They don't want to just listen, they want to engage. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because I had invited a friend named Rafa who's living in Austin. And then uh, one of Edwin's guys that he had flown out from um, Bakersfield, a guy named David, I was sitting next to us. And so we immediately, I was like, all right guys, let's jump in. And we just we were sitting in the same row, we started talking, and we were having so much fun with it, we, we, had to, we kept forgetting, we were like, oh, okay, next person. Like, we just <laughs> kept getting really into it. And I thought it was, you invited people to share their story with each other. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was so unique. And so beautiful, and I think that so many of us live in this isolated space where we're refusing to like let people into our own stories, mm-hmm. and that's just it was such a remarkable thing to watch and engage in. And also like me being a part of it, it really brought a lot of life to me because immediately I became friends with David. That's awesome. you know.
0: Yeah, I think one of the questions fundamentally is, as a communicator, um, why are you up there? Is it your need to teach? or is it? your need for people to learn. And when you have a higher value for people learning than you teaching, you make whatever adjustments you need to based on the environment. And like, I genuinely do not need to speak. If I can accomplish the things that I feel compelled to accomplish without speaking, I'm happy to do it like that.
1: Yeah, you're so annoying. Because there was a, there was a dinner after the event and I knew something happened because there was a Q and A, and dinner was amazing. Dinner was so good; everyone was alive and happy and having fun. And and Nico was rolling around on his little scooter because he tore his Achilles. And um, and I, we got back to the room, and we were hanging. And I was like, "What? Ha-? Like, you know, that you didn't answer them many questions." And you were like, "Yeah, I went up to the, I went up to um, the, MC. The, this, the assistant, the MC, and said, I, I really want you to make sure that like you you have the other guys answer some questions.'" All the questions don't go to me.
0: No, she said, No, everyone's going to want to ask you questions. She started with that? Yeah, and I said, We can't allow that to happen. I yeah. said, So I need you to begin with asking Edwin and Damon questions. And, and I said, And she goes, Yeah, but people are going to want to hear from you. And I said, Then you need to go find two people who have two questions for them before you get to me.
1: And I was like, Stop that. Why are we always sharing things? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Because I, there, was an, there was a question about overthinking that I really wish you had answered and you didn't get to an answer because the other guy answered longer, which is fine. It happened. This Q&A. But, you know, and then you revealed that you're like, no, no, I actually talked to her, like making sure that other people were given questions. Yeah. Why I, is that
0: important to you? I think, one, I, I can genuinely say I don't have an ego need. And um, I do have a need to make sure people are included. And I don't ever want to outshine people on a stage. That's why I usually won't do panels. And uh, because m- most of my experiences on panels, I end up getting eighty percent of the questions. Right. And and I feel incredibly sensitive to the fact that these other people are, have value, and they they're up there, and yeah, getting a question means they're not getting one.
1: Yeah, but it's so weird. I don't think like that.
0: Well, I think maybe <laughs> I think like that because of you. But I see the opposite. I'm like, well. You- they didn't earn the question. Got to earn the question. Yeah, and and you know, and I feel like if I wasn't up there, they had questions that they had earned. That just you know, we're not getting the opportunity. I don't know why it matters to me. It just really does matter to me. I'm hypersensitive to to that, and um, and maybe it's because I you know I I have this shadow self from childhood of knowing what it's like to be overlooked, to be invisible, to. to not be heard, to having no one interested. And anything I had to share and say, and I don't ever want anyone to feel like that, especially when they've taken the risk of being on that platform. You know, so it's important to me. And at the same time, it irritates me if a person takes way too long answering a question on a panel because I feel like they're not being sensitive to everyone else on the panel.
1: Yeah, no, and you—you you are someone who like includes the rest of the panel even when you answer. You'll ask. I've—I've—I've I've seen you many times. You'll answer a question. Pretty briefly. Sometimes, sometimes you go longer. I think now you allowed yourself to go longer because you know people do want to listen, and then you'll include someone else on the panel to give an answer because you know they actually might have a great answer. Yeah,
0: we're kind of we've been going for close to an hour, right? But I I do because you asked me this and we and about why we're here. Yeah, you know, we have about 20 men coming in from around the world. Yes, which is pretty amazing, and all of them are really high achievers who are. Doing something unique in their domain arena and can their ask you part. This question? Yeah, what is the men's mastermind? Well, that's what it is. It, I, know. This is I want this. you to. I'm going to ask it so you can answer.
1: I just want to have the questions in there. Really, the
0: men's mastermind is um, a community I've curated of top tier leaders who one want me to invest in their life and to want to do life with other top tier leaders. Who, um, who they can, you know, in a sense um invest in and be invested and in, grow together. And so it's really for me, for me a very exciting space. It's it's for me, my Navy SEALs group. It's the guys where I don't have to apologize for being tough. <laughs> you know, they want to be challenged, they want to be pressed, they want, um you know, they they want to be elite in what they do. And can people join? They can join, but there is there is a um um What'd you call it screening process. There's That's a cool screening process. You know, it's very expensive for uh, a person um, who isn't ready for this group yet. Right. It, or, you know, you just can't afford it. Yeah, yeah, it's you expensive. Can't it. Yeah, I tell people don't don't join anything or you're taking food off your table. And um, you know, for some people, the arena is the perfect space for them. The membership is around 4,200 a year. The mastermind is around 40,000 a year. And yeah. it's not around it, it is. It is 40,000 a year, yeah. yeah. And so it's only for people who are at that level of success and achievement in their life. And they have different issues, different problems, different questions, and they need a peer group where they can actually um, be transparent, be authentic, and be vulnerable and grow together.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting to watch Um, these guys solve each other's problems because you've got amazing guys who come in and dear friends of yours that have joined and been a part of this as well, who are in the hundreds of millions and billions. But they've operated at such a high level of business mm-hmm. you know guys who are ceos ceos cfos yeah. and really can break down other people's problems quickly mm-hmm. and so it's it's really you know i was listening to a podcast and i sent it to you from jeff it was jeff bezos and lex friedman and jeff was talking about how they were working on this mathematical problem for so long and then this yeah. other physicist comes in and just goes oh i've seen this and answers the problem within, within like a couple of minutes. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: You remember that story, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, "Well, I don't want to be a physicist. <laughs> I don't think I can be a physicist." But it's funny because they don't. Sometimes they don't even know. But like, I'll I'll be because I do some one-on-one coaching too, and that's you know a six-figure investment. And so I have one person in that relationship, and he's going through a crisis, and his company may be at thirty to forty million, and then I'll call one of the other guys whose company is at a hundred million, and I go hey, he's going through this, this, and this. And and you know what this other guy's saying? I'm bored. I need people to mentor. Yeah. (laughs) And I go, hey, would you want to meet with him and help him through these issues at his company? Because he's already been through that. Yeah. And so you create this incredible synergy of relationships and people helping each other and it's just really fun too. It's amazing. So we'll we'll link some kind of application form to that as well for you. Yeah. Which is why we, we don't publicly advertise it.
1: Yeah, I think we've always been like, you know, a little bit nervous to name the price. I've always been very private. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, we've never been flaunty about that. We've never been really salesy about it. But the reality is that there are amazing men around the world yeah. who need access to a business community that one is faith-based and we have guys who don't believe in god in the community which i think is really cool that they're like i'll
0: deal with the bible stuff so i get to the business stuff
1: and then they really find some value in the spiritual side
0: yeah and ironically everyone who's joined who was an atheist or didn't believe in god at all they've all said to me hey could we do a session on like god or spirituality and and with every one of them i say um yes we can but that's not a paid session that's cause, just... Because once we're talking about God, once we're talking about faith, that's just you and me talking as friends. Yeah. You, you know. And they'll go, really? And I go, yeah. And it's really beautiful. And one of the guys texted us and said, hey, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Can I be baptized at at the Men's Mastermind? Yeah. Which is really beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Hey,
1: we probably should wrap this thing up. All right. But I just want to say thanks for jumping in on, in on this. And well, this and that, has been fun. It's so fun. And, and honestly,
0: I wasn't sure how was it was going to be in the jungle, but I love it. Yeah, embrace the struggle. Because in the struggle you increase your capacity. I think that's one of the exciting takeaways from this.
1: No, I I agree. And uh, one challenge I want to give to to everyone listening, if you've made it this far, I want you to take a minute and find someone in your life and break down these three questions. And I'm going to repeat the questions again. What is your greatest current pain point? What is your greatest fear? And what is your number one failure you're trying to avoid? Those are the three questions. <laughs> yeah. And so do it on your own, do it with a friend, do it with a family member, but do it with your teams and your staff. But I found that it brought up such great, great, uh, unique uh, interactions with people. And you know, some of it was monetary, some of it was financial, sorry, some of it was financial, some of it was relational, some of it was emotional, um, but it was really you know a way to like let people kind of open up on their own pace. And I
0: think we're gonna take those questions a little deeper in our arena session. Yeah. And And then if our arena community uh, feels comfortable with it. Maybe we'll post some of that. Yeah, I love it. Because it would be really great to to watch people process these kinds of questions. Amazing.
1: Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm gonna invite you guys to hit subscribe on YouTube to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and to review this podcast on Spotify. Uh, Hit follow, Uh, join us wherever you guys are listening. We're so grateful that you guys jump in with us each and every week. Uh, We're looking forward to seeing you guys next week and then we'll have some guests in the future, but we're doing some one-on-one stuff until then. uh, See you guys next week.